0: And Stephen has asked that I kind of give an update on uh, what transpired last week, and I'm going to do it in the form of a meditation. So I'm going to kind of blend the two, an update and a devotion. Um, I went last Sunday to speak at the church I pastored in Colorado and spoke about ACORN Global Advance, the mission organization that uh, we've started. Um, then I continued through the week talking to folks about corporate prayer and Acorn, and uh, Acorn has a platform that includes corporate prayer, and then innovation and networking. So it is it is praying corporately and watching the Lord bless two forms of Gospel Advance or funding for Gospel Advance. That one be one of those being innovation, um. And then uh, networking. So, I don't want to, I don't want to unpack those. But um, I want to, as as we think about that, and think about corporate prayer, and even the people that are being talked to about corporate prayer. Um, let's pray real quick, Lee. And then um, I want to ask us a quick question. So, Father, as we start this today, we'd ask your blessing. Uh, we pray that you'd um, help my voice hold out. And when I talked to Stephen this morning, it was stronger than it is now. But uh, grateful, we're grateful for the opportunity of of gathering and praying, and we'd ask your blessing on this time together in Jesus' name, Amen. So yesterday I was listening to a sermon, um, and and there's a reason for that, and not only just because of my cold, but. Uh, um, I learned that um, last week in talking with a man, I was actually witnessing to him. He's an unbeliever. His wife and family are believers. He may even jump on this call. He would not mind my telling you that he's an unbeliever. Um, he's, um, I would say he's a somewhat of a seeker. He's more of a deist. And um, um, I was meeting with him for a couple of hours at the end of the week and uh in my old church pastoral office and I've been talking to him about trusting Christ for several years and um um on Saturday um he alerted me that he had been tested positive for COVID. So that meant that I was exposed to it. So I'm gonna be tested today and uh and tomorrow I should be fine. But um but because of that I was not in church yesterday And I was listening to a sermon by a friend of mine who was also, Phil would know him, I think. Well, maybe he's quite a bit older than Phil, I guess. Uh, A fellow by the name of Brent Cook, who's a professor of apologetics at Bob Jones University. He was in the youth group when I was a youth pastor. And he was talking about the first words that we hear Jesus speak. And uh, maybe more in the the first words we hear Jesus um, use in ministry. So we hear the voice of Jesus um, where he told his parents, I must be about my father's business. We know those words if you know know the New Testament. Um, And then following his baptism, um, he quotes scripture to Satan and kind of launches his public ministry, if you will, at that point. But then we have to ask, or the question was asked, what's the first thing that Jesus says in his public ministry. So we know that John the Baptist um, said, and by the way, we're going to go to John chapter one in our, in our Bibles today. If you want to be turning there, John the Baptist um, said, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So we know that John was the forerunner. He was the one preparing the way to Christ. So when he said that people made their way to Jesus So John chapter 1 and verse 35 says, again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus, he walked, as he walked, he said, behold, the Lamb of God, verse 37, the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus, so this is Really, I love that phrase. And they followed Jesus. That's really the goal of um, of what we're doing. We want to see follow people follow Jesus as a result of revival and awakening. But verse thirty eight says, "Then Jesus turned and, seeing them, said to them." And these would be the first words of Jesus in public ministry. What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, when translated teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the 10th hour. So Jesus launched his public ministry by asking a question. It's very easy for preachers to make imperatives. It's it's very easy for preachers to make statements. And Jesus did, often. Um, But he starts his ministry with a question, followed by an invitation. And that was striking to me. As I listened to Brent um, talk about this John 1 passage, it brought me back to what I was doing, not thinking of this text, but what I was doing last week um, as I met with pastors, I would comment about the the tone of our Lord when he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And my question to them and my question to me and my question to us is, does this characterize our gathering? Does this characterize the gathering of God's people? very easy for us to characterize by singing or music or counseling or evangelism or preaching and all these are good things. And we ought to be doing all these things. But our Lord identified prayer as an atmosphere of His gathering, the gathering of His people. Even to the point where the Lord's Prayer, as we've commented on several times, the Lord's Prayer starts out not with my Father, but our Father who art in Heaven. Um, And Later in the book of Acts, we find, um, we find that we're going to the apostles said we're going to give ourselves to prayer, and the ministry of the word. So, prayer and specifically corporate prayer is has a high priority in the New Testament. Now, I got asked a question early in the week that I wasn't ready for, and now it wasn't that I didn't have an answer; I just didn't see it coming. And I sat with a guy, and I don't remember, I guess it was um, the current um, co-pastor of the church. Um, It was on Sunday afternoon, where I preached on Sunday morning, and the current co-pastor said, what would this look like? On a Sunday morning, in a small group, on a Sunday evening, on a Wednesday, what does this look like? And um, so what does... The, what does my house should be called a house of prayer what's the application of that and I was glad for that question um, because it's, it was it was a searching question it was a sincere question if we we're to design a culture of prayer then what does that look like we know what preaching and teaching looks like we know what fellowship looks like we know what maybe even an evangelistic gospel message looks like but we do those things as easy as we breathe. We just expect those things to happen. We know that's going to happen when we come to God's house. But to pray like we breathe, does that happen? Does it happen to where at any given time um, a pastor could just stop in the middle of a sermon or a song leader in the middle of a song and pray? Um, or someone in a hallway just stop and gather around? And, and, and I mean, is this as easy as we breathe? Can, can our churches be houses of prayer, a culture of prayer so um, i I appreciated then through the week and this is where I, I connected with Stephen um, through the week on this. I was intrigued with the level of interest in corporate prayer in the pastors that I talked to um, unique interest I was presenting acorn acorn global advance of which corporate prayer is a part um and the purpose one of the purposes of acorn is to fulfill gospel projects now here's what i another thing i didn't expect um and i'm going to watch my time here a little bit i think i started my recording a little bit late one recording um before i left stephen lee gave me about 20 books of the the case for united prayer that are sold on sermon audio small paperbacks uh, written by uh, Jonathan Edwards, Samuel Prime, and yours truly. I don't fit in the category of those other two men, but part of my dissertation is, is in there. And um, I expected to just put those books on the table, my display table, on Sunday morning, and um, and if somebody's interested in them, give them out. Well, I, I did that, and some did leave. But um, I had about 18 books left and I gave every one of those to a pastor who was really sincerely interested in corporate prayer. Um, it became a tool that I didn't expect to use in the, in the fashion in which it used. In fact, one man um, sitting in a coffee shop in Boulder, Colorado, or uh, was that where we were? We were in um, um, Lafayette, Colorado, and um, he said, And he may be on the call here. He said, um, I got up this morning and I sent an email to my staff and said, the first week in January, we're going to focus on United Prayer. Staff, do you have any resources we could use for a week in United Prayer? And he said, then, Rick, I sat down with you and you give me this resource He said, "It's beautiful. It's. I think it's exactly what we need." And I say, "Praise the Lord! God is at work." Um. There's hungry hungry hands out there, and frankly, this is this may not mean a whole lot to anybody else, but the last book I had, I had just enough, so I got to the last pastor, and I had one book left, and uh, I thought that's it's just really neat. So, a culture of prayer. and uh I've sent or I will be sending all their email addresses with their permission to Stephen. He's gonna put them on the distribution list, I trust, for for this. But I'm I got thinking again yesterday. We're praying for awakening, we're praying for gospel advance. We ought to also be praying for a culture of prayer in churches. Let's be praying for that fuel, that that culture prayer fuel that fuels the gospel. We know that the Holy Spirit is the one that does the work, but he does use the prayer of his people. And so I'm going to encourage us. Um, I thought back in the conversations with this week with people, I thought back that most of the, most of the men I talked to said sometime within the last two weeks, God has really stirred my heart about corporate prayer. Now, I don't know if you remember what Stephen Said a couple of weeks ago, we had left a morning breakfast, Stephen and I, and where we had talked about the lack of prayer in churches. And on that day, he said we ought to be praying that God would stir the hearts of people for corporate prayer and the pastors would understand what corporate prayer is. And could it be that at that moment, that was a couple of weeks ago, could it be that God started stirring pastors' hearts? as a result of our praying. So I want to encourage us to continue to pray for a culture of prayer in churches. Um, If I don't have COVID, uh, Dwight Wagner and I, in a couple of weeks, are going to be in Western Africa, Sierra Leone, and Liberia. And my assignment is to teach national pastors the subject of prayer and gospel advance. So we ought to pray. Let's just be praying that God would use what we're doing here to, to further the culture of prayer in churches. Um, ask people, even ask people, uh, a question followed by an invitation. The question being, do you have a culture of prayer in your church? And, uh, and here's an invitation. Come. Look what we're doing here. Let this be a school of prayer. And uh, Jesus turned and seeing them following said to them, what do you seek? Verse 39, he said to them, come and see.